Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the week again. It is the Gift of Gaming podcast. And now that it's the beginning of May, we've got a whole month's worth of news to give you. It's the April News Edition. Hello, it's me, your host, Darren Wade, as is per usual. And today I'm joined by the dream team, the anchor men themselves, Mr. Xbox Games Pass himself, Luke Maycock. Luke, how are you? I'm not too bad, Darren. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Today I'm also joined, or we're also joined, Luke, by none other than the console hating, PC playing, full time Canadian himself, Chris Robbins. Chris, how you keeping? Keeping well. Keeping well. Yeah. Any 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 new new gossip for me, guys? Any new anything new to dish out for for me and the listeners? Um, well, speaking of news, might not be video game related, but the uh, Maple Leafs have officially made it out of round one of the NHL playoffs for the first time since two thousand and four. And I'm love. so Darren, excited. You just said a bunch of words that I think mean something in hockey. the English language. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, hockey. Okay, means uh, something in the Canadian language. The Maple Leaves escaped. Uh, <laughs> imagining these leaves. Yeah. What sport is this? Was it was it a good was it a good game? Yes, yes, it was a very good game. Very clutch. Went to overtime, and yeah, that was edge your kind of stuff, making you nervous. Yeah, all those things. Yeah, good, good. Luke, how about you? What have you been getting up to? Uh, not a whole lot, Darren. Just uh, playing some video games. Would you believe? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not loads. Not loads. Just keeping busy with work and that kind of thing. Uh, as I am the Games Pass goblin, I've been diving into some Game Pass titles. Played a game called Kill It With Fire recently. That was very okay. fun. Uh, Homestead Arcana as well was fun. Um, Kill It With Fire, actually a game about finding spiders in your house and killing them. And that's the whole game. Burning like, down the house with well, fire. Well, like, yeah. so the, the first level kind of kicks off where you don't really have anything to kill the spiders with. Then eventually you open a, a drawer and there's a gun in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next level starts and you get to go for Just over so you, the top ways. Yeah, you're going around your house with a revolver and you open a drawer and you go, bang! <laughs> kill a spider. <laughs> then you find a shotgun and it just scales from there. Very, very funny little indie game. Uh, it's fun as fuck. Nice. So, yeah, that's that's been me. What about Great. you, Darren? Uh, this week I've been on jury duty. I got called up for jury duty, and mm-hmm. then I got selected for a case. Uh, not that I can talk about it. It's super secret. Uh, but no, it's interesting. It's cool to be on the or in the courts, you know, S- you know, seeing how it all works, see- seeing how it all goes. Uh, being part of a jury is fun, too. You know, we listen to half a day's worth of arguments. We go for our jury lunch, which consists of nice, nice sandwiches, in fairness. And then we all, you know, jury it up, discuss what we think of the case, and go back in for another... Half a day's worth of stuff, and I've been doing that all this week, and I think it's going to close hopefully this week, and I can get back to my my normal life. So, yeah, that's been that's been me. You watching any courtroom dramas in your spare time? Today? I'm uh, well, I, I, some some of my friends will know I'm a big Judge Judy fan. Big, <laughs> oh, no. big Judge Judy fan. Yeah, I watched COVID. COVID was one of these things. Right, I actually sat. knew this. Yeah. yeah, I think I just repressed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was. Why great. on earth? <laughs> uh, God, I mean, it was COVID, Chris. Why on earth did we do a lot of things during COVID? But I got hooked and there's a picture of Judge Judy in my apartment I put it up above the sink and I keep it there to remind me to be good you know not break <laughs> any any laws or anything but it is it's been it's been fun it's been interesting it's not the most riveting case in the world it's very uh, standard but it is uh, interesting just to see how everything works and 
then kind of in my spare time. Oh, today, for for example, is something new. I finally got to try PlayStation VR two for the first time. How'd that go? Very good. I played the first game I played, which was kind of uh, I probably should have ended with that just to get like the best experience. Was I played that uh, the, the Mirage kayaking game? I think it's called. Oh yeah, yeah. You're just in a kayak. There's like four places you can choose to kayak around, and I'm a big fan of kayaking. Me and Lauren do it all the time. Uh, but my God, is it was it relaxing and the graphics were amazing. Yeah. Uh, and just just a really simple concept for a VR game that I was very very into. And then uh, we played a. Uh, Ragnarok, which was pretty much like a cheap knockoff of Beat Saber. Not nearly as good as Beat Saber, but fun all the same, you know? You're kind of uh, Vikings, and you're playing on the drums instead of with sabers, but to the beat of, like, cool kind of Viking music. So that was, yeah, that was pretty dope. And then uh, the other one I tried was there's that Star Wars. I can't remember what it's called. It's a Star Wars cantina. You start off in a cantina. You get, like, blasters and stuff. Um, That one made me really sick. Like I had to sit down afterwards, and be like, "No, that's that's about all I can nauseous, handle." Yeah, very much so because the movement's quite weird. You move with one analog stick, yep. and then you turn the direction uh, by yeah. by turning yourself, and that kind of that just messed me up a little bit. And then I was, you know, it, it, it's really cool because in the old VR that, that I played, you got um, like you, it was just hands really. That's all you could see, and they were quite like you know hands were never that detailed. And there was when you looked down, there was no body. Yeah. But I was playing the Star Wars one, and I looked down, and I had this cool like I had this cool outfit on with like blasters attached to myself, grenades, and you can take all that kind of stuff off your person and throw it and use it and stuff. So it felt very um, very immersive. But yeah, it made me quite quite sick. I think yeah, I've always well. worried about like the how I would feel playing VR, especially when it comes to analog controls. But I have been a bit more interested lately like uh, my buddy from way back when he started like streaming online Mm -hmm. just like a few uh followers but he plays vr and it's strictly racing games and he has the whole setup he has the steering Mm -hmm. wheel and like the clutch and like the gear shifter yeah and i was watching him play that and i was thinking you know what i could I could really get behind that. That would be pretty cool. Well, my, my favorite, I think I said on the podcast before, my favorite VR experience was playing Rogue Squadrons or yeah. whatever it was, where you were in a cockpit and you could look around yes. and see everything around you. And I think G- uh, Gran Turismo 7 has a VR piece coming out as well for the PlayStation VR 2. It would, it would make sense. Which looks pretty pretty damn cool, I have to say. But yeah, those kind of things I could really get into. Now, that being said, uh, Rogue Squadron made me feel, again, very sick after playing it for like half an hour, 40 minutes. But the experience was incredible, I have to say. I'm sure every astronaut feels that way too. Space is just weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the closest I'll ever get, Chris. Uh, but yeah, so we're here to talk about April's news. And uh, Chris, you and me were having a chat. It was a I mean, I call it a quiet, by, by our standards, what we've dealt with so far, it was a pretty quiet month. Well, I, I think it's just on the, on the tails of March, which was just nuts for news. Yeah. Now it's a lot more quiet, right? So. Yeah. But we got a couple of interesting stories nonetheless, and I'll kick off with uh, our first one, right? This is, uh, this is Sony has a new handheld, possibly, right? This is coming from Inside Gamer by Tom Henderson, right? So... Following days of speculation, Insider Gaming can report that there's a new PlayStation handheld in development. Codenamed the Q-Lite, the next PlayStation handheld is the next piece of Sony hardware that aims to be yet another piece of hardware that requires the PlayStation 5. Insider Gaming understands that the Q-Lite is not a cloud streaming device, but instead uses remote play with the PlayStation 5, a feature the console giant has been pushing these past couple of weeks. Uh, sporting adaptive streaming up to, oh, supporting adaptive streaming up to 1080p and 60 frames per second, the new device will require constant connectivity to the internet. 
As for the uh, console's physical features, early um, prototypes show the console will look a lot like a PlayStation 5 controller, but with a massive 8-inch LCD touchscreen in the center. The device supports adaptive triggers for haptic feedback and will include what you would come to expect from a handheld. Volume buttons, speakers, an audio input jack, etc. Insider Gamer understands that the Q-Lite is in its QA phase and is scheduled to release before the PlayStation 5 Pro and after the detachable disk drive PS5. Gentlemen, a new handheld for PlayStation. Oh, it's hardly a handheld. It requires the PlayStation 5, and, first of all. And internet. Yeah, full because time you have to be on the same network as the PlayStation 5 because you're just streaming games off the PlayStation. So, like, it's not going to have any games installed on it. Like, this is absolutely terrible device. I, I don't know why it exists. <laughs> just so- make it your own standalone uh, handheld. Like, this makes no sense. So, the interesting thing about it is if it is, let's say, remote play... Yeah, Which can... has existed for years on Steam. Like, it's super easy. All you do is install an app on your TV and then you can just stream. That. Yeah. yeah, that's been a thing. Steam had a really big push about that in like five or six years ago. It was yeah. a really big thing. They sold like units specifically yeah, they, just to do this. To they've do. actually abandoned the units and just went with an app. Like, if you have a, it's only available on certain TVs. So, like, I think Samsung, but you just install Steam. I think they kept the same name, Steam Link or Steam Remote Play. And yeah, your PC can be all the way in a. Uh, like another room and it just streams live to your tv and that's essentially what this thing is but just on a handheld console so i just i don't know why like why well for someone like myself who loves a handheld i've always been a game boy fan love the switch if i could sit in my bed before i go to sleep at night and play some horizon but your playstation has to be on too that's okay it's you know it would have been on anyway so like i mean i know it's not ideal but the idea of being able to play my PlayStation 5 games in my hand anywhere in my house is something that definitely appeals to me. This is this is interesting to me because it's like it's remote play, not cloud. Mm-hmm. So PlayStation haven't made any moves in the cloud gaming scene for a while. So it seems like this is the direction that they're going instead. They want to do a handheld device that you can pick up and just use anywhere around your house. And it is a big screen. Like it's bigger than the Switch. Switch is about six inches. Mm-hmm. This is an eight-inch screen. Going to be playing 1080p. So the resolution will be quite nice given the size of the screen, 60 FPS. I'd say you can get a fun experience out of it. Yeah. I don't it I don't think it would be my cup of tea, but they're trying something. Like they're going they're going for, you know, Sony are doing their own thing very much. Nobody else is doing something like this. Like Nintendo's all remote mm-hmm. slash you can plug it into a TV if you feel like it. They've literally it's the opposite to what PlayStation is suggesting. Yeah. And Xbox is native console and then their cloud service you can play on your mobile phone kind of thing um so yeah no it's it's a weird one not for me but uh interesting they're trying something yeah i i mean like i said if, if and so it's a theory that it requires internet connectivity but does that mean that you have to be on the same same network as yeah. your playstation i'd imagine yeah, mm. yeah like, so you, you couldn't be just, off in like an airport yeah you couldn't take it streaming games from your playstation i don't think mm-hmm. that technology even exists but i could be wrong oh well, my that's, god that's I'd... cloud gaming essentially. Yeah, it, it's yeah. literally just for like in your house just if you don't want to be on the TV. Yeah. 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 I reckon they lose money off this. I don't think it's a good idea. Well, they, I'm sure they're, they, I mean, I think, I didn't think it was worth putting up newsworthy wise, but I think uh, the PSVR 2, they've reduced their production by 20% because that's not really being picked up because of its price point. It's quite expensive. So it depends on what this would come in on. Like if this was, I don't know, 200 quid, which I don't think it will be. It'd probably be more than that. Um, but if it was 200, 250 quid, I'd probably consider investing. Anything after that, though, I'd have to I'd have to really think about it. I would guess 400 for this. Yeah. That would be my guess. Yeah. Um, 
yeah it's yeah it's a, a, a again interesting idea literally no one else is trying something like this so if Sony thinks that'll stick it's an interesting direction to go I hadn't heard about this at all by the way before this was mentioned on this the Q light not hadn't even come across it's my a radar dumb name too yeah it sounds like <laughs> it's a, a, so I think that's just sounds like a Nokia pro- phone or something I don't think that's what it's going to be called I think that's yeah. what it's the you project know, name the project yeah, name okay. is called Q light and yeah. if it comes out at 400 uh just Steam Deck infinitely better yeah a bit more that but is like so, infinitely sorry, better that is a really good point they do have to it has to be cheaper than a steam deck yeah because a steam deck is the the full shebang like it's the yeah. full deal so it, ha- it has to be like 200 250 at a push because be they'd be kicking themselves in the teeth because all of the playstation exclusives have like their history is recently is that anytime they come out the following year it tends to release or get some kind of pc port as well so if I could get my Steam Deck and play them from Steam and the Steam Deck's amazing and it's the same price as a remote play, PlayStation 5, whatever that thing is called, yeah, it's mm. a no-brainer. It has to be cheaper than the Steam Deck. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. it's completely and utterly pointless for them to do that. Yeah, because you can pick up your Steam Deck and leave your house and still play. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it'd be nuts if it costs any more than like 250 But I yeah, I don't know. Well, here, you know, we'll have to wait and see. See if it actually finds the, sees the light of day. But uh, no, I'm, I, I'd be curious, especially to see what it would look like, you know, because yeah, we haven't had a handheld since um, the PSP from Sony and the kind of Switch has been the handheld since then. So I'd be just, well, with the exception of the Steam Deck, but I'd be very keen to see what a, a PlayStation 5 handheld thing looks like. You know, I love that. I love that branding. I love that white, you know, that black and white kind of color scheme that the PlayStation's got going. So yeah, yeah. I'd be keen to see it. Mm-hmm. Um. Moving on, Chris, you haven't seen the Super Mario Brother film yet, have you? I haven't, no, but I'm not too worried about spoilers or anything. Okay, well, I don't think this is spoilers, but uh, this next uh, um, piece is the Super Mario movie hits $1 billion. Uh, this is from Vulture, and it's uh, a article that has been written by Alejandra Gullerte. So, the Super Mario Bros. movie continues to collect coins at the box office, very clever, uh, three weeks after its release. The video game movie broke many records for Universal, uh, like becoming the highest grossing video game adaptation and the highest grossing film of the year so far, as it earned $871, uh, sorry, $871 million globally in April. Now the film is projected to cross over $1 billion globally next week, making it the first film of the year to hit that mark. However, it has a limited time to do so before Guardians of the Galaxy 3 hits theatres the following week. As the film finds box office success, it leaves the question of whether um, of whether will it be as decorated... Sorry, let me just have a look at this. Of whether will it be as decorated during award season as well. It's almost a surefire guarantee Super Mario Bros. will earn some orange blimps at the Kids' Choice Awards. But for the rest of Hollywood, we're hoping for at least a nomination for Jack black's peaches Now, there was an update as of yesterday on this article that reads as following wahoo the brothers mario have done it the super mario bros movie became the first film of 2023 to cross the billion dollar mark despite one the whole film being up on twitter for hours and two selling many more children's tickets than other box office juggernauts like top gun maverick according to indiewire super mario bros is on track to surpass the box office of any animated film this century luke did you enjoy the film no Oh my god! Oh, no, I did. <laughs> Just no. the hard no. No, okay. no, I did not. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. You, the listeners may know that I'm a <clears throat> big animation nerd. The animation in it was fantastic. It's mm-hmm. animation. It looked gorgeous. It like plot wise, it was paper thin. It was just a it was just a kids movie, and you know I didn't enjoy it from that. I couldn't even like take. I couldn't even go into the the film experience with that in mind and enjoy it as such because I just wanted more. I didn't want to be treated like a kid kind of thing with the plot and stuff like that. I know it's just Super Mario Brothers and what can you do? But it was like I was watching it for a few minutes and I was like, 
Wait, what do I like about the Super Mario Brothers? I like it when I can control them and like jump on Koopas and get coins. Yeah, that's not what this is going to be, is it? Okay. Yeah, so it was, it, but like beautiful movie, really well executed, clearly doing very successful, but it's a kid's movie and it wasn't kind of, I'm a 31-year-old man, Darren. It wasn't aimed at me. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. And that's that's the important thing because Chris Pratt came out and hilariously said that uh, the harshest critics of this film will be middle-aged men living in their parents' basements, which was a bit of it, like, shots fired. But he was right. Like, I mean, it's, it's a film aimed at kids. And I went into the cinema knowing that. And I had a rip-roaring good time. I would give it a solid 7, 7.5 out of 10. Uh, I mean, plot paper thin paper thin but again it's a super mario brothers what do you expect but all that like the music the medleys in it all the easter eggs it looked amazing luigi got a decent fucking role in it which you know <laughs> i was super chuffed with and there was even a, a moment where uh, luigi's kind of before he gets captured by bowser he hides himself in a castle and there's this tiny little motif from luigi's mansion and that's yeah. kind of all you get from it but it was oh, i was so well done um yeah, I mean, the middle section of the film, there's a bit where the, the Donkey Kong army, which apparently exists, uh, all have uh, carts from Mario Kart. That's where they introduced the Mario Kart bit. And that bit makes no sense because you're there for ages getting all these carts ready to do a whole Mario Kart thing. And it ends up meaning nothing in the grand scheme of things. Oh, no. <laughs> so for that perspective, it, you know, that's yeah. where the, the plot got real paper thin. And I was like, I don't know if this is... Donkey Kong had an army? Like, that's like... Uh, Cranky Kong. Cranky, Cranky Kong. Kong had an idea. Oh, okay, because Donkey Kong always strikes me as like a, a solo guy, just going wrestling crocodiles, get his bananas back. Yeah, well, you'd like, you'd probably like his, the the way they did the character of Donkey Kong in this. That is yeah. exactly what he is. Yeah, and, and they all delivered. Like, you I know, mean, my biggest worry was the cast. I had no problem with Charlie Day as Luigi. As for the rest, I was kind of oh, and of course, um, Jack Black as Peaches. I had no uh, problem with whatsoever. Jack Black as Peaches. Sorry, Jack Black as Bowser, who sang Peaches, yes. which was a you know a hilarious song in it as well. Um, but Chris Pratt did a decent job, and yeah. uh, Seth Rogen, who who has the classic Seth Rogen laugh in it, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so Donkey yeah. Kong. I love. Yeah. It. Yeah. So that would actually he, he suited that um, quite yeah. well, and uh, Anya Taylor Joy is it who did uh, yeah. Peach? She's class in it, you know. So okay. I, I had a I had a great time. I mean. Yeah. Does does this make you worried, Luke? Because I mean, we're definitely we're definitely getting you know sequels, spinoffs. It's not. That's not the thing. No, I don't like fill your boots, man. If people love this movie and there's a market for more, go make more. The thing for me, I think it's great for kind of video games writ large that there's a big video game property that's printing money. That's great for the industry at large. The one thing that it does just kind of is, is like a little thorn in my side is that this is. Like, we grew up with video games, mm -hmm. and the whole narrative around a lot of this when we were all growing up with video games was that video games are for children. And that was something that we, that the whole, like, gamers and the industry and everyone tried for decades to shake off, going to the depths of The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2 and stuff like that. Like, these really dark adult-themed games, and that was like, oh, video games aren't for kids anymore, this isn't your this isn't Pac-Man anymore, like we've grown up kind of thing. Yeah, like, but Mario will always be for kids. I mean, it's... It will always be for kids. It's just the fact that, that it, I'm my nerves are settled by the fact that the Last of Us TV series just was out and was yeah. a huge critical success Yeah, because it means video games don't have to just be one thing. Hopefully, the takeaway that the uh, film execs and producers will have is that, oh, video games can tell all kinds of stories and that it's like Disney kind of like pigeonholed himself over the years and always complained that oh, animation isn't a medium for children. I hate that I always have to make children's movies. I'm trying not to make children's movies. 
I hope the same thing doesn't happen to video games, but it's such a tiny like fringe complaint. <laughs> I'm delighted for the video game industry that this yeah. movie did so well. And yeah, if you want to, you want to make more, fill your boots. Yeah, I mean, I, go I got to know though, just because it's fresh on my mind. I just rewatched it this weekend. But how does it stack up compared to Sonic? Interestingly enough, I watched the second Sonic movie a couple, about two or three weeks ago. It's surprisingly. It's not as good as Sonic in terms of Sonic's got a bit more of a plot going on about it, and it's, mm-hmm. you know. But it, it, you know, it's funny because I think Sonic always had a better a better storyline than Mario ever did. Like Mario was always, you know, got to save the princess. She's in another castle. That yeah. was essentially it all the time. Whereas Sonic had, you know, Doctor Save the forest critters from being enslaved as robots, yeah, and, which is which pretty kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah I right. mean, it's got a bit of an edge to it, which Mario just doesn't have. And I, you know. To me, the Super Mario Brothers movie, Sonic 1 and Sonic 2, have all been very pleasant surprises. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the heck out of all three of them. Do I think any of them are Oscar-worthy? No. Uh, it's funny. Which did I enjoy more? I had a like such a good time watching Sonic 2, but like the Super Mario Brothers film was... I thought Sonic... Well, I just rewatched Sonic 1. I thought Sonic 1 was far superior than the second, but... Yeah, I, I think so. And I think they... they and we'll go on to I think for the post show I've got a couple more news items, but like there's there's the whole thing with Knuckles in the second one, which they kind of didn't really do. And I, I wouldn't say it's not they didn't do Knuckles justice; they just took them. They in the didn't do that, the Knuckles I had always envisioned. Yeah. I always wanted like a, a Raphael character. That's what I had in my head, like a bit of attitude, kind of a, like a, a bully. He's super but, super serious yeah, in yeah. the second. Too in the second serious, time. I think. Yeah. And it's uh, it's funny because it's um, Idris Elba that voices him in Sonic Two, which was I think I think he does a great job. I still think it was the wrong choice for a Knuckles character. Well, I just don't using know. Idris Elba and not putting his actual face in your movie is just I, I think that's <laughs> wrong right there. <laughs> it's a crazy choice, uh, but ooh, it's a tough one, Chris. I would say I would probably give the first Sonic movie. I'd say they're probably equal. Like uh, Super Mario okay. for me gets a seven point five, and the first Sonic film, yeah, seven seven point five as well. Um, they're just enjoyable films, and it's it's nice. I mean, for me, for Mario, what what makes me very excited about that as a film was the last Mario movie we had was the 1993 Mario <laughs> film. And that's a train wreck. A masterpiece. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's so nice to look at Mario now and kind of think to myself, there's a, there's a decent Mario movie that exists, you know? Yeah. That, that, that hasn't happened before. That's never been the case. I've been playing Mario my entire life and a decent Mario movie never existed prior to this. So, like, I think the fact that it's hit a billion is, says enough for me. It's like, yep, it's a big success. Kids loved it. I loved it. And... I'm 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 hope I'm hoping for more. I hope we get a bit of Waluigi in there, a bit of Wario, a bit of extra characters. You know. I wonder wow. if we'll get a Zelda. I, I I can imagine this. Maybe. I can imagine this opening the door for so much animated Nintendo stuff. You know, Zelda. Yeah. Um, I hope just F Zero would be cool. Just the like, like a racing movie. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just over the top. Like Ford versus Ferrari yeah. style. <laughs> only like you know F Zero. That'd be class. That would be sick. Yeah. All right, so we're going to our next one. Uh, now, this article I have shortened uh, tremendously because it was packed chock full of information regarding the Xbox uh, Activision uh, deal. So this is uh, in relation to the fact that it's been blocked in the UK. It's coming from The Verge, and it's written by Tom Warren. So Microsoft's $68.7 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard has been blocked by the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, the CMA. After months of analyzing 3 million Microsoft and Activision documents and more than 2,100 emails from the public, the CMA has concluded that the deal could alter the future of the fast-growing cloud gaming market, leading to reduced innovation and less choice for UK gamers over 
over the years to come. Microsoft says it will appeal the decision, but it's a blow to Microsoft's hope of acquiring Activision Blizzard and will likely prevent the company closing its giant deal if an appeal is unsuccessful. Microsoft has a strong position in cloud gaming services, and the evidence available to the CMA showed that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision games exclusive to its own cloud gaming service, says the CMA. The CMA estimates that Microsoft controls around 60 to 70% of global cloud gaming services and that adding control over Call of Duty, Overwatch, and World of Warcraft would give Microsoft a significant advantage in the cloud gaming market. Gentlemen. Which needs development. Yes, but I mean, do, we, do you think it needs development all by the one party? I mean, so well, I mean, PlayStation, like, they've moved from cloud gaming to do some yeah. sort of, like, remote play shit now. So, and yeah, Stadia, Stadia's somebody's got to step up. Yeah. Somebody's got to step up. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a weird, it's a complete reframing of the original point of, <laughs> yeah. of why Activision's, uh, the Activision Microsoft deal was a bad thing. It was anti-competitive in the market at large. Now it's specifically anti-competitive in cloud gaming, which nobody else is in the business of. It's just weird. It just smacks up the whole way down. Like, I don't understand, like, blocked in the UK, but they're two American companies. Like, why do they care? Can't they just go ahead and do it anyways? Like, so, ugh, um, there's a few things that, like, there's a few thoughts that pricked up when I did hear this. I thought the exact same thing as yourself. Um, so, uh, yeah, in theory, I think, yeah, they, they absolutely could. It wouldn't be great for Microsoft's um position in the uk like the, the microsoft have a big stake in the uk and in uk video games companies there's a lot of first party publish companies there like rare is one of them and um, there's big houses that microsoft have strong relations with they're kind you're, it's a weird one because you're kind of looking at you know what is a company's relationship with a government body um uh the the flip side of it is so yeah i think they could go ahead and do it anyway but it wouldn't ring like there's there's politics at play there and like microsoft kind of have to be seen to play ball with the markets authorities um and the verge has said that if uh, an appeal is unsuccessful it will likely prevent the company from actually going through with its with its deal yeah um see it's, it's an interesting one because i was i was right there with the argument of it being just like you know being bad for uh, competition in the market you know bad for consumers as a whole because again the likes of um Call of Duty. I mean, Call of Duty even by itself, never mind adding in Overwatch and World of Warcraft. Call of Duty by itself is such a huge piece that I think their deal originally said that, you know, there'd be no changes to Sony's current deal with um, having with Activision for the next 10 years. But uh, I think, you know, and if anyone is interested in this, go on to The Verge um, and check out Tom Warren's um, article on this because it's, it's fairly in-depth. But when I was reading through the rest of it, it did state things that like made sense to me in terms of you know the the grapple that they'd have over these titles in the future and that most of the authorities looking into this don't believe like i didn't believe i mean microsoft has come out and said oh no we'll make sure that everybody has access to these like that's not our plan is to make it um uh an exclusive to uh, microsoft but i can't like why on earth would you spend 68.7 billion acquiring this and not make them exclusive? Like in terms of your, your market plan, like if you bought that for 68.7 billion and still made it available to, to everybody instead of making it exclusive and making people come to you to play these games, it doesn't make any sense. And I think, you know, Microsoft saying that, it didn't, didn't seem like anybody believed that at all. Like most of the market groups were like, well, this, we can't see them after 10 years allowing it to be uh, not exclusive. And, you know, all that I was with, but to have the, the CMA come forward and say, oh, cloud gaming, it's making the whole cloud gaming thing, you know, uh, not very competitive. It's not very competitive anyway. Yeah. Sony's not <laughs> entering it. Stadia is gone. I mean, Steam, 
their cloud gaming is just all into themselves. So they're their own. Yeah. It doesn't. It, uh, that is a it's just a weak argument. I'm, I was with everybody before that who kind of said, "Nah, it's bad for competition." Just generally, but the whole cloud gaming thing, like you know, Microsoft has their thumb on that anyway, and maybe their fear is. I it think gets they had to change their tune a bit because we talk about like the grapple on the market and just like uh, the first party IPs and my biggest argument has always been like PlayStation already has or so many of those where like um, Xbox needs a piece of that cake too right so it's the game they've been playing for decades. Yeah, yeah, but I think I mean you and me had that, that chat before, Chris, and I think it's a cultural thing with Sony. Like Sony is a Japanese company, so a lot of the you know the Japanese exclusives are you know with Sony. It lives there. It's where it's from. Uh, but so you I could think, say the same thing about these two American companies, yeah, Microsoft but it, and Activision. It's the value of it, though. I think because if you were to add, I think if you were to add up all of the the studios that. Sony has currently now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you can email us at thegiftofgamingpodcast at gmail.com, but I would be surprised if all of Sony's exclusive or all of the studios that they own now comes anywhere near the valuation of Activision currently. And I think if Microsoft were to take themselves with Activision and Bethesda, the asset value of what they have would be way more than anything Sony has collectively. It's just, it's the big, Activision is one of the biggest things out there. Like, you know, Sony's picking up a lot of the studios, I get it, but they're all small bits here and there, do you know what I mean? And I just can't, like Gorilla, like I don't know how much Gorilla worth, it's certainly nothing near a billion even, but yeah, I just think that's probably why it's it's seen as non-competitive because they don't, I would say, the biggest slice of the industry if they were to buy Activision. I don't know, I think that's all fairly, like we... <clears throat> I think it is subjective to a degree because it's just been an arms race in terms of who can acquire the bigger studios over the years. And then Microsoft goes and steps what Sony think they have a case to say is one step too far. Mm -hmm. And they get all these courts and stuff involved. It just seems like Sony are trying to like stop the competition from going ahead at all. And Microsoft are just trying to like up the ante and up the game and take it to the, the next level kind of thing. Uh, whatever side you fall on, I think it's just... It, it seems like a bit of a muddying of the waters to to like pivot the the point of it all to cloud gaming and I don't know it's it seemed like the the UK's authority has been very against uh, Microsoft since the beginning like the the whole narrative around it was like all these mad quotes coming out um but yeah I don't know I I, I also know that the UK is trying to get very ahead like its markets authorities are trying to get very ahead of these very niche kind of new industries like gaming and like uh, internet industries and markets and stuff like that. They're drafting a bunch of new powers that the markets authorities will have um, kind of more unilateral control over their bills and drafting. So I know that the UK, just on a political level and a like, geopolitical level, they are making big steps in, tr in terms of trying to put their foot down on certain issues, whether they're good stances or not. Like I don't agree with a lot of the moves, um, but they are like trying to like get ahead of these because they don't want to take issues like this to courts yeah. so the uk are kind of they've been seen to do a lot of things around internet activity and gaming where they're just making decisions and they're saying this is the standard you can't cross this line. yeah yeah this is how it is and then i'm just just looking at just another thought crossed my head there like the three games that they mentioned there call of duty overwatch well world of warcraft isn't really competitive but like call of duty and overwatch they're competitive gamings like big e-games across the, the, the spectrum of e-game and Call of Duty and Overwatch are, are up there. I mean, nothing up as high as the likes of League of Legends or Dota or whatever, but they're pretty important games for, for e-gaming. And I think that would probably be another thing that would bother everyone else other than Microsoft, that if you were to take these cross-platform competitive games and just lock them all into one box, I think would bother a lot of um, 
companies and, and groups out there to say, well, actually, you know, if you want to get involved in this, this competitive gaming, this area, you have to own X, Y, and Z. I but think it, that's it. Is Activision Blizzard currently owned by Tencent? Do you do we know that? I think no. I think Activision is Activision itself. Otherwise, they otherwise yeah, I'm sure it would say that they were trying to buy Tencent. Do you know what I mean? No, no, I they're act- trying to buy Activision Blizzard from, from Tencent. Tencent. Yeah, I'll that, do a little quick check here. That's my. I thought they were. I thought Activision was. I never know who the, like the real like. Oh yeah, who the real head honcho yeah. is in that yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't know how that kind of all came out in the wash. I'm also wondering like. So Activision obviously wants this deal to go through because they're yep. trying to sell their company. Uh-huh. Like, where is it written in the rules that they just like, you know what, fuck it, we'll just stop making games for Sony. Like, can't they do that? Uh, so, well, I mean, obviously there's contracts in place, but they could yeah. just be like, yeah, if, well, if you want to block this contract, we're just not going to make games for you and they'll be exclusive to Xbox anyways. So yeah, I, they, could, they could find other ways around it. I think they're trying to do it by the... By the laws of like of like a fair consumer practice, fair business practice, and like fair markets practice is what they're trying to do. But yeah, for sure, they could just go behind <laughs> everyone's backs and do their own private deals. Nobody wants that. But uh, Activision Blizzard is owned by Activision Blizzard. They it, are the it is. They're company. their own yeah. sole proprietor. Yeah. Oh, they're their own. They're their own uh, entity. Yeah, I mean, like I said, for for me, a person who kind of I'm not I'm not a big Call of Duty gamer. I pop into it here and there. I think for me, the idea of that game becoming exclusive would bother the hell out of me and i think that's uh, in a situation whereby the likes of horizons spider-man's those came or the final fantasy remakes they came out exclusive and i guess do i have an issue with that no because i have a playstation so i'm obviously biased but the idea of having this thing that i've always had access to and suddenly no longer having access to i just don't i just don't know if, if if it's right i think if you look at sony's acquisition of studios they acquire them and build games to be exclusive as opposed to buying things to pull games away from other places to be exclusive which is probably another point in their argument to say this has been available for everybody i don't think it's fair you can take it away because it's what they're going to do like no matter what microsoft says saying oh well we'll make it available for everybody it makes zero sense to spend 68.7 billion and not make it your own thing to pull everybody towards you like marketing is a crazy idea i think i I could see a world where they don't do that 100%. Like, I, I get your point. I think Microsoft are saying that they won't do that just to say it, just to, like, Ex- throw bound. Exactly, yeah. But I can see a world in which they don't do that because, you know, the current strategy that... I won't throw on too much about this. I know it's kind of a bit of a boring topic, but I think Microsoft's whole strategy at the moment, to me, seems to be they're doing Games Pass, Games Pass, Games Pass. They want titles to appear on Games Pass. All their first-party titles are guaranteed to be on Games Pass for the future. I don't think if Microsoft's strategy works, I don't think they really care whether PlayStation can sell them. They just want to be able to say, oh yeah, well, you can yeah. pay 12 euro a month and you can have all of these games yeah. at your disposal straight away. Or you can go to PlayStation and pay 70 quid for the yeah, same game. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And if somebody pays 70 quid for that game, uh, Microsoft's still getting a cut of that. If they buy the Battle yeah. Pass in that game, yep. that's Microsoft's money. Which I don't why, think they would make them exclusive. Which is why all the old God of Wars can be bought on the PlayStation Store mm-hmm. because Sony get a cut of that money. Like, it's it's just... Yeah, but I mean, I think it's the thing where you kind of say, why would they not make it available for everybody? But imagine if all those people out there with PlayStations who kind of only play those kind of first-person shooters, Call of Duty's to big into those. If you pulled it away from those people, you're forcing them to buy, the, buy into xbox um games pass or any of those things you're forcing their hand to do that 
which not, I think not necessarily available no. to them to buy I, I think like they were doing before. Yeah, no, 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 no. What I mean is, like if you take that said. option away from, if you make it exclusive just to, to Xbox yeah. and Microsoft, yeah. then you're forcing people's hand to say, well, if I have to play this game, I have to put away my PlayStation, put away whatever else I'm playing on, and then like buy into this, which is what they want. Because I think games, Games Pass is only successful with the more people that are invested See, in it. I, like, I, I think that w- wouldn't work in Microsoft's favor because they wouldn't sell more Xbox units. I think that would just drive those former PlayStation players to just jump into PC, which it will also be available on. Yeah, but they'll... Would they I, do it through Games Pass or would they do it through... I, re- I really don't think it's in Xbox's vision. They've had, like, down through the years, there's been, like, so many tiny little examples of what Xbox's kind of vision writ large for gaming is... They want like, they want you to be able to have an Xbox app on your PlayStation. Is what Xbox wants. Like, there's an Xbox app for the Nintendo Switch. You can log on and see all your games. And the idea was that, like, the rumor when this happened was that, you know, cloud gaming's in the works. This thing called Game Pass is in the works. Someday you'll be able to log on to your Switch and just play your Xbox games because they're just there. Um, so I think yeah, like, gaming like, as a service, almost like Netflix versus exactly, Prime. Like yeah. you just you can sign into these. That would be. I think I think yeah, yeah, that's an amazing future. That's that's always been like that's how X, that's all the moves that Xbox have made over the past while have looked like that is the future that they want. They're like they're basically like we don't really care about units per se. Like units is obviously an important metric and important corner of the the, the console wars. But our ultimate vision is that everyone can access their games, their Xbox games wherever they want to play them. And I don't really think it matters to them too much whether they're buying them off the PlayStation Store and a big cut of the money is going to Sony and a little cut is going to Microsoft or, you know, they're not. I think they would be a bit silly to, like, or it would be premature of us to assume that they are just going to take it all off the market. I don't Mm -hmm. think that would be, nobody really thinks that would be the smart move to make. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is that seems to be the argument that's being made by any... um roadblocks they've hit so far that seems to be the the thought of the anticipation is that they eventually will it's pull that they them can. yeah that's i mean they've got the, full control yeah yeah, yeah so it's a possibility but i don't think uh i don't think it would behoove them i don't think it's wise but anyway that's that's a lot on <laughs> and it, it's on it's funny because i thought for i mean i was kind of hoping it wouldn't happen and then for a while i kind of thought well this doesn't seem to be any sort of major roadblock so i guess i guess it is this is kind of surprised me this kind of this news coming out i'm like oh this could actually be a very much a uh, a period in the in the deal just not happening which um, watch the space so wait and see mm-hmm. uh, on to our next one fellas uh, and we just watched kind of the trailer of this before we came on this is uh, about unrecord uh, yeah, realistic this, gaming yeah I popped this up into our like our group chat the moment my uh, buddy showed me we were at the pub and he's like have you heard unrecord and I was like what are you talking about and he's like oh it's this gameplay trailer and I watched it I was like that's not gameplay that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's just a that's a video. So. Yeah. <laughs> so this is coming from uh, Michael McWhorter from Polygon, and it reads, An independent game studio made a big splash this week with footage of its project Unrecord, a first-person shooter in which players take on the role of a police detective. What sets Unrecord apart from its FPS counter uh, counterparts, counter-contemporaries, whatever it is, uh, is its presentation. Players witness the action through the slightly warped lens of a police body camera. Unrecord looks unsettlingly real due to un- its Unreal Engine 5-powered photorealistic graphics, but there's more to the game's presentation than just convincing lighting and believable derelict game levels. The fisheye lens distortion and uh, herky-jerky movement as the player chases down and shoots at suspects looks nearly indistinct from real-life body cam footage that we've been inundated with as police departments release similar footage to the public, often for incredibly distressing.
interesting reasons. In fact, some viewers have questioned whether the gameplay footage of Unrecord is gameplay footage at all. The studio behind it, known as Drama, says it is... It uh, says it is. Uh, we do not use any real videos or external rendering, it promised, in an FAQ released on Thursday last week. There have been many doubts raised about the authenticity of the game, the studio said. The game is developed on Unreal Engine 5, and the game footage is captured from uh, an executable and played using a keyboard and mouse. It is not a VR game. In reality, it seems rather flattering to compare the graphics of uh, Unrecord to reality, but unfortunately, we know that a game's first focus uh, is on gameplay and the universe on which we primarily, uh, and the universe is what we primarily concentrate on. Considering the high production cost of a video game and our global reputation at stake, if Unrecord were a scam, it would be a blockbuster scam. Reaction to Unrecord has varied from disbelief to astonishment and even concern. Popular and controversial streamer Trainwrecks, in response to Unrecord programmer and co-director Alexander Spindle, expressed anxiety about the footage and ensuing political response to it, saying, This level of realism for shooting and killing makes me feel uncomfortable as if I'm watching a real leak from a military or police operation. Yeah. Gentlemen, thoughts? Uh, I agree with, uh, was it Trainwreck's Trainwreck comment Rex, there? Yeah. It's, it's a bit too real, especially with what's going on in the world today and like the just the level of mass shootings in particular countries. I just, I don't think, I mean, I like the idea of photorealistic gameplay, but just what the options there, just make it, make it about zombies or something. Just yep. make it about something else that's not like a police shooting somebody, which is, which we're all too familiar with yeah, in the news. Yeah, heard it all and time interestingly and time again. enough, like for me, I don't know if you guys would agree. I love graphics being improved all the time. Horizon. I'm actually, yeah, well, I, I'm probably the one here that actually doesn't care about. It. Like, I was yeah. playing like a DOS game like <laughs> a week ago. I just don't give a shit, really. But I, I love the improvements and seeing how things can improve, especially lighting and moods created in games. Horizon is one of my favorite looking games of all time. But I don't know if I want it to go much further than that. I want my brain to know I'm playing a game. Like I use game for like narratives, for stories, it's great. But I also use like video games for escapism. And there's nothing about Unrecord that seems remotely like escapism to me. It's like, oh, you want to escape your real world? Well, welcome to this world, which is very similar to the real world, only you're playing it, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it's... there's some games that wouldn't mind photo re- like racing and stuff like that. I think that would be great as yeah, photorealistic. But photorealistic people, I feel like there might even like laws develop about this. Just like you can't really animate that close to like a, an actual person. Well, Unreal Engine 5 did a, and the technology is amazing behind it. They did a, a stand-up showpiece, showcase thing, and they took, um, there's the girl who does the um, motion capture for Senua, like the... Oh, yeah, yeah, that, well, yeah that's pretty wild, too. But they, they took a picture of her face, and, you know, from a from a, an iPhone, I think, like a normal, like, phone camera, and then put it into their system, and did a few, I don't know, techie things that I can't understand. And straight away, her face was there with all the motion available to be able to manipulate it whatever way they wanted. And they can transpose different looks, different like varieties of people onto her face in like minutes. Like they were doing this live on, on. So the technology behind it is incredibly exciting, I'm sure, for developers. But I don't know if Unrecord is what I'd ever want from the next level of technology in video gaming. And I'm, I, part of me, thinks it's not even meant to be released. I think it is just kind of not a scam. Like I'm sure the game play that actually exists, but it's more of a, Hey, look what I can do. Like a showcase. Just yes. like, this is the yeah. potential of unreal. Cause even if they were to release that game, like I don't know if uh, my computer, which is a pretty good up to date computer could even run some shit like that at a reasonable like frame rate. Cause that it's just, it's graphically like, mm. 
That'd be expensive. Too much. There is something about this that feels like it is very much a showcase. I think it's more a showcase for the studio that made it. Yeah, more exactly. Than Just like, like hey, showing look off. what we can do, guys. And like, it does. I can totally feel uh, the way in which it might, the, the trailer might feel a little tone deaf. Um, it's, I checked it out there just to double check. It is a French studio uh, drama. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah it's, it seems very showcasey. I thought it was really fucking impressive. Um, as a gameplay kind of, or as a as an experience, like the way it kind of played, because what I was kind of looking at was how how they kind of manage all the animations, the animation of the body cam, or just like very obviously Even the way he was reloading a, this gun looked it was organic. It, it looked organic because you had it was like the body cam was moving very organically yeah. while that was happening, so you had some kind of motion that your brain could go oh it's moving like that because it's a body cam like and they animated that well enough to convince us that that like there's so many sections of that trailer you could watch and be like yeah that's just live footage because <laughs> the because the body cam also comes with like a kind of de-reses like body cams aren't very hd mm-hmm. cameras you can kind of res down some things like that get away with that you can add like a kind of a, a filter over it and, and blur it out a little bit and they sort of yeah they just did a fantastic job of the animation on it like they really the way they control the camera and control the movements and the way the character interacted with the environments and with the weapons and that kind of thing, it just played really cleanly. And like as someone who's into a kind of area of games called technical animation, it was like, it was really impressive. Like there's some state machines they have going on there that are like very cleverly tuned and very cleverly made. And I thought it was really impressive. Again, 100% feeling a bit tone deaf uh in the current climate of like body cam footage and stuff like that and it's no surprise that like uh that americans are kind of being like well this is kind of fucked up why would you make a yeah. game about this <laughs> yeah. like Big it's time. way too close to home whereas i don't know if in like there's definitely france definitely have like body cam footage and as a part of their culture as well like that they rebel against but the french are very like look that kind of thing in the face sort of approach to art um so they would have a very different kind of i think response it's not it kind of when I, when I started looking into the studio, it wasn't going to surprise me that it was made by a not-American studio. Because like you said, Chris, I couldn't see an American studio actually doing something like this. Oh, like, it'd be, it'd ever be getting suicide. the green light. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. It'd be mental. I think, uh, it, could you, is there a game that you would love to see, that you love and adore currently, that you would love to see in those hyper-realistic graphics? Yeah, like something like Halo would be amazing, I yeah. think. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Even like a sports game, maybe. It'd be cool to see, but like, oh yeah, I don't know. Like if I was playing, playing like Cyberpunk M- and it was like that, that'd be class. Like the amount of detail that's already in that game, if you mm-hmm. buff that up to some, like when I see Cyberpunk being played on some like really high performance computers, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. That looks lovely. I don't know. I'd, I think I'd rather see like NBA or something. Just like. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something pleasant. Like, something, something just like actually murdering. like telling yeah. Steph Curry, like the Steph Curry, what to do. Make that shot. I think <laughs> a lot of that comes down to animation, I think, at the end of the day. That's what's kind of fooling people, I think. Like the graphics. True. We kind of yeah. have the fidelity. Not It's not perfect. Like you remember Rogue One, Grand Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia and stuff. Yeah. Like, we haven't come too much further since then. But the thing that kind of fools people is like when it's a bit farther away and the people are just like moving a little too naturally. It's like, what the Oh, f- yeah. Imagine yeah. these graphics on like the the likes of The Last of Us, which is it's got some of the most fluid gameplay and action scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. I like I don't think anyone's ever come close to what they've done. Yeah. 
if that was photorealistic, it would, oh God, that would, might actually break my brain. I no, don't that, know would, I could that would depress that. me because I played Last of Us Part Two, And, you know, even now I think it would be a very hard game to play. But during COVID, it was especially hard. But if it was hyper-realistic, I don't know, man. I think That's the thing. I, I For me, I love the idea of video games being very clearly video games and not yeah. me playing through. Yeah, like, yeah draw the line footage. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And Escapism. Like, exactly. Yeah. And I just don't want my escapism to turn into an alternative reality that's just as grim at times, maybe, as your own, uh, you know, the, the world at large might be. Yeah. But uh, Pretty no, soon you. you're just going to be plugged into the metaverse 24-7. Well, apparently the metaverse is tumbling down it is crashing and burning <laughs> of course it good is. yeah <laughs> take that zuckerberg all right so we got our last uh, news and um, piece for today i am going to alter the article just a little bit because this article does contain spoilers for horizon zero or forbidden west burning shores dlc so unfortunately i read it myself and i've already gotten a spoiler because i haven't finished it yet but look such is you know these things happen when you work real hard to give people the, the news they want to hear right guys Occupational hazard. Occupational hazard, thank you. So this is Metacritic Pledges Better Moderation. This comes from VGC by Andy Robinson. Horizon Forbidden West's story expansion was released last week and was widely widely praised by critics for its story and gameplay additions. However, one plot point appears to have led the the game being review-bombed on Metacritic, where it currently has a user score of 4.0 and was as low at one point as 2.7. At the end of Burning Shores, players have the option to become romantic with a pivotal character introduced in the expansion. I'm not going to say who or what happens. Um, this plot point seeming inspired, or seemingly inspired many users to give the game a critical rating on the site, with many still live comments criticizing developer Gorilla's decision to add this romance option. Uh, visually looks awesome, but what about storytelling? Oh, see, I, I can't even finish some of these things because they're definite spoilers. I will try to remove what I can. Um, what are you doing, Sony and Gorilla? Really, stop doing it. Uh, stop doing this with your characters. Reads one user's review. Hey, Sony PlayStation, this is enough. Reads another. You must make a solution to the issue of th- these agendas. We're in a world of entertainment, not in a world full of deviant and misguided ideas. Jeez, deviant yeah, and misguided. Right? Deviant. Oh so, in response God, to the review bombing, people. Metacritic and Fandom told Eurogamer they were aware of the abusive and disrespectful reviews of Horizon Forbidden West: Burning Shores and claimed they were currently evolving our processes and tools to introduce stricter moderation in the coming months fandom is a place of belonging for all fans and we take online trust and safety very seriously across all our sites including metacritic the statement reads review bombing fellas how do we feel uh fuck man i'm just so tired of hearing this you know what just make everything as woke as fuck just flood the whole market just let them know that like you're not going to change anything so that is just to like add in that is kind of the the heart of what we're getting at here because we couldn't say what the actual plot point was but the idea is that it's like uh, uh, something happens in the dlc that would be viewed by a lot of parties as particularly woke and yeah i don't really give a i don't give a rats like (laughs) i don't care about these people review bombing sucks it's it's uh you know childish and it's using the tools of reviews that a lot of people kind of rely on for these things. And yeah, it's definitely, it behooves Metacritic. To, to this is why you just find point. a like-minded YouTuber and just follow <laughs> his reviews. Forget all these like community regulated uh, reviews. It's just, it's nuts. It could be the best game in the world, but oh my God, if there's just like one scene of homosexuality, it is god awful it, it shouldn't exist like it doesn't make any sense to me like or like a war game with a woman on the cover instead of a man and people it was oh my god man. yeah like the latest nhl game had a uh, sarah nurse one of the uh canadian um uh gold medalist 
female hockey player. First time a female hockey player has been on like the cover of an NHL game. And just, God like, forbid. Yeah, fuck. Oh my God, man. So many people. I don't think they were too angry, but I was surprised like, like there wasn't as much backlash. But there was still backlash. And it wasn't just her. There was still another male NHL player just because they probably felt they had to at least include one, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it it's absolutely insane. One of the things I often enjoyed and, you know, Papa Mario back into this, I love... On, on Rotten Tomatoes for movies, I will often go with the audience score more, more so than the critic oh, score. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's something I def- was glad I did with Mario because I read a couple of the critic scores and they were kind of like hypercritical of the movie given it pretty low scores. But the audience, everyone seemed to really enjoy it. So I was like, sweet. And that's what I'm interested in. But I hate this idea that people are like, oh, there's homosexuality in this game and obviously Gorilla have an agenda. It's like, no, fuck off. It's like, this is a story. It can happen in real life. It's happening here in this game. Get over yourselves. But for me, if I didn't get the Burning Shores and I just had a quick glance at a Metacritic score and seeing that it was completely bombed, they'd be like, oh, this game must be fucking broken. Because my natural instinct is to think that people are reviewing these things badly because it's broken or not as advertised. Not because their storyline has some s- stuff that makes people feel very uncomfortable for no real reason. Like, it's it's mind-boggling. I hate but it. The best part is you can like just like filter out just let's go to the see the lowest reviews and you start reading them and they don't bother trying to like shelter their opinion they'll say the reason they're review bombing right away yeah. it's just like too well, low like, goddamn yeah. they gotta stop this blah like, blah blah blah, it, blah and it's just like okay so just all, like if 90 percent of the one star reviews is just like woke 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 yeah. woke then you like, just be like okay Get rid of all that from yeah. like the average. And, and some of the, the, the comments have to be crazy. I mean, this this last one that the article meant is, you must see a solution to the issue of agendas. We are in a world of entertainment, not in a world of deviant and misguided. <laughs> deviant and misguided. Deviant. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Like it's, it's just, it sounds like some like backwoods priest just like yelling at his like... At the church. And the worst part of this, right? Because homosexuality is a sin. It's deviant. The worst part about this is, is that like, you know, in the first two games of Horizon, it hints to the fact that Aloy, you know, she she might prefer women over men, you know, that that's absolutely fine. And the issue that I have with this one is there's an option. So I went, unfortunately, I got this spoiled for myself and I know who the character is, etc. But you don't, like, it's not forcing you down a romance path. You exactly. literally have an option to say yes or no to this being a thing or this, how, this is how you want this DLC to end. People have the option and they still fucking go mental. It's just, there's no, there's no it's, hope. There's no hope. It's, I mean, couldn't you do the same thing with Commander Shepard like way back when in... Uh, Oh my god! Uh, Mass, Mass Effect. Effect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so there was, a, I think, there was a number of, there was a couple of male characters. If you had a male shepherd, yeah. you could have a romance with them. And if you were a female, there was a number of female characters you could romance with. Yeah, is that in that way? Is that what you mean? That yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't think anyone had an issue with it back then. No, it because we like went crazy. Cool we yeah. went crazy back well, then, Chris. We've all gone <laughs> fucking for mad. For some reason, there's just this idea of like, there's this woke culture, and just like it has these people are just like martyrs or something. They're just trying to damnedest to stop I, I, like, I don't know I'm just so sick of hearing it <laughs> but it is it is interesting like one of the things that bothered me a lot was uh, Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter and <clears throat> he invited everybody back who got kind of knocked off the platform because of what they said were hateful racist etc etc you know Trump got back on Andrew Tate got back on etc etc just like bad news kind of people and you know he's lost 80% of the staff for Twitter and in an interview he was like how can you afford how can you how can you keep the mo- the, the business moving when you've lost eighty percent of your employment? And he openly said in the interview, being like, "Well, you don't need to moderate or censor a lot of stuff, 
Um, it, it actually turns out it doesn't require that many people to run Twitter. I'm like, n- n- there's a reason all those people were there. Maybe not all of them, but like there was a reason so many people were there because it's like so many people can access this. And I know there's like a who's right and who's wrong and what can and can't be said. And censorship's a very delicate area. But there are people out there just spouting absolute hate and nonsense. And I just don't know why people think it's okay to give people like that a platform. Just be kind to each other, you know? If you don't like the game, don't play it. Don't review Bomb Up because a girl kisses a girl and you're... Oh, fuck, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would be happy to see Metacritic step forward. And I remember, like... Moderation. Yeah. Wasn't there a time where young teenage boys liked seeing that in a video game? Like, Not anymore, Chris. Because the, the, the devil's got his claws yeah. on us now, Chris, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, we're all about that life. So that's the news, fellas. That's kind of what we picked up as our, our big stories uh, for the month to our listeners. If we missed anything, uh, please let us know with the Gift of Gaming podcast at gmail.com if you want to get involved or listen to updates you can check us out on twitter at gift of gaming pod and uh, also if you enjoy the content uh, we'd love it if you checked out our patreon patreon.com forward slash the gift of gaming tell your friends if you like us we'd love to have more listeners i'm terrible at spreading the word myself so i'll leave it up to our listeners to to do that uh chris luke thank you very much for hopping on and anchoring another uh, great news episode i appreciate it appreciate your input Thanks for having me. Thank you, Darren. A pleasure. Uh, To our listeners, keep enjoying the gift that is gaming. Peace out. Stay woke.